Well, we started in January of this year, the beginning of the year, after I felt uh, leading from the Lord that we really needed to, uh, as a church, get as many people as possible uh, into Scripture reading, and that we needed to, uh, as often as possible, uh, get people looking at different parts of the Scripture. And so we've been on a journey to try to go through all of the Bible in 2012. And most of you know there's 66 books in the Bible. There's only 52, sometimes 53 Sundays. So we couldn't even do a sermon out of each book of the Bible if we, if we did that. But what we tried to do is go through nine major sections of Scripture. And we're into the eighth. We've got one more, the book of Revelation, that we'll look into soon. And so we're taking our journey together through the Word. And it's been, it's been fruitful. I've seen evidence uh, in conversations with people on Facebook and, um, well, conversations with people face-to-face and then on Facebook. So you, it is possible to have a conversation still with somebody face-to-face, not just on Facebook. But I've seen on Facebook, too, a lot of people were, uh, writing, uh, putting in scriptures that uh, they've been reading on a regular basis. Some people listing books as they've completed them and reading through a one-year Bible plan. I'm going through a one-year Bible myself, and uh, many of you are doing different plans, maybe on version or something like that. And I just want to encourage you to continue, and do not let the enemy tell you once you've missed a day that you might as well just give up. That's ridiculous. Uh, if, you haven't, if you haven't read the Bible in a few days, pick it up again today and tomorrow. Don't stop. But I wanted to give uh, some of you some inspiration as we finish out 2012. Maybe you weren't around in January. Maybe you haven't heard that much about this emphasis. Or perhaps, um, perhaps you uh, just haven't tried it at all. Uh, and I want to encourage you to, to try to do something really important the rest of this year. Uh, we have cards. The ushers have cards. And it's called the E100 Bible Reading Plan. Essential 100, and they'll pass those out generously. Uh, if you're curious of what it is, just raise your hand, and they'll pass these to you. And I'll tell you what it is, is they're passing them out. Um, there have been some very wise people uh, who took a look and said, if we could take uh, what we might think 100 essential or very important passages in the Scripture, 50 in the Old Testament, 50 in the New, and put them down and try to get people to read those passages perhaps in 100 days, this is what it would look like. So that's what you have here. You've got uh, 50 passages from the old and 50 passages from the new, and it's called the E100 reading plan. And uh, if you need a Bible reading plan, this is a good one, and it's one that you could complete by the end of the year if you get started pretty soon. And again, I'll say this. If you miss a day, don't quit. Just jump back in there. And you know what? If you skip a passage, it's okay. God is not keeping score on this. You know, here, I'm going to confess, in the one-year Bible plan, the one-year Bible that I've got, which I've been through a couple other times, but I'm going to confess to you, a few days in 2012, I missed. Is that okay, or should you stone your pastor now? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's all, let's, this is not about, I have to read my Bible or God's going to strike me down. You need to read your Bible so that you know the truth, and the truth will set you free and change your life. And make a difference and you won't be making decisions out of ignorance and you won't let the enemy distort the word of God because you'll know it so let's let's uh, continue to read continue to pray that God will reveal himself closely one of the passages that is in this E100 reading plan in the New Testament 
under the category of uh, the apostles' teaching, which we're calling the other letters, uh, letters written by someone other than Paul, is found in the first part of the book of James. And I'm going to take a portion, uh, a portion of that passage today and talk to you about it. James chapter 1. If you've got a Bible or you've got version on your phone or, or tablet or whatever it may be, uh, look along with me today. James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. I'm going to read to you. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us His true word, and we, out of all creation, became His prized possession. Thank the Lord for His word. These are the words of James, not James, the apostle slash brother of John, when you read through the list of the disciples, not that James, not, um, not James, uh, the son of Alphaeus, uh, a second James listed among the 12 disciples that followed Jesus in his earthly ministry. This is James, the leader the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, the first church. The church in Jerusalem. James, the half-brother of Jesus. James, who would uh, one day die a martyr's death for his faith and bold living. This James wrote these words. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I'm going to be honest. Many times I have read that scripture and I have thought to myself, 
Who says this kind of stuff? Who says, oh joy, my faith is being tested today? I mean, who, who reacts like that? Who's, who says those kinds of things? Have any of you? Is that, is, that, is that your reaction when you get that phone call or that email or, the, or whatever? The, is that, oh joy, here's an opportunity. I mean, you look at that, you, you read this, and, and it, sounds, it sounds like, yeah, this is deep, great, deep truth, but it's just hard to feel that. And what, so what am I supposed to do with this? Am I supposed to wish for hard times? Am I supposed to desire to have trials and tribulations? Am I supposed to ask for the bad stuff to go on? I'm not too sure that that's what James is saying. But I do think that maybe he remembered his brother's words, which I've already spoken to you this morning, where his brother, also the Son of God, said, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I love history, and... um, I recently read uh, that book that's been out on the market, the bestseller, about uh, the last days and the assassination of uh, President Lincoln. Some people say it's kind of historical, a historical novel or fiction. I found it interesting anyway. And uh, I recently was reading some more about President Lincoln. And d- did you know his background? Maybe you've heard some of this before. I hope you have. I hope it's always good to be a student of history, in my opinion. That when he was seven years old, his family was forced out of their home, and he went to work. When he was nine years old, his mother died. When he was 20 years old, he lost his job as a store clerk. And he wanted to go to law school at that time, but he didn't have the necessary education background to get him into law school. At age 23, he went into debt to be a partner in a small store, small community store but three years later the business partner he had died and the resulting debt that was left to Abraham took him years and years to repay when he was 28 years old he'd been dating a girl for four years and he asked her to marry him and she turned him down that's that's rough isn't it I dated a girl for about four years on and off, and unfortunately, when I asked her to marry me, she said yes, and that's 27-something years ago, so I'm think, I just can't imagine. Four years invested. It, don't you have to know the answer before? I don't, oh, anyway. <laughs> she turned him down, and on his third, uh, third try, he was elected to Congress from his district at age 37. But then after serving that two-year term, he was failed. He failed in his re-election bid. And then his son died at only four years of age. And when he was 45 years old, Abraham Lincoln ran for the Senate, the U.S. Senate, and he lost. At age 47, he, he was on the ticket and ran for the vice, president, vice presidency and they lost that election. But at age 51, 
Abraham Lincoln was elected President of the United States. And did you know that it was Abraham Lincoln who in the middle of the Civil War, arguably the worst period in American history, in the middle of our Civil War in 1863, it was Abraham Lincoln who established the annual celebration of Thanksgiving as a national holiday for our country. Do you need me to read again all the stuff that he'd been through? And do you understand the context of a civil war? But somehow Abraham Lincoln had learned how important it is to be thankful to God and to trust in him even in the middle of terrible circumstances and difficulties. Maybe President Lincoln knew what James knew or what James understood from his brother the Son of God. Maybe Abraham Lincoln, maybe James knew this. Our faith grows or it fades when we're under pressure. Faith, trust, that, that when it's tested, it holds on. And it holds on despite the wind, the waves, the tears, the fears, the the headaches, the heartaches, the stomach aches, the sometimes overwhelming flood of hurt, frustration, pain, faith that holds on grows. Faith that holds on grows, and when it grows, it builds endurance, and endurance leads to developing understanding and strength of character and confidence that can stand. I threw that word pain in there. Most of us don't come to church wanting to talk about pain other than the fact that we just want to get rid of it. One of my favorite comedians talks about pain in relationship to his uh, doctor experiences. And uh, he, he says that his experience with doctors is they don't like to use the word pain. They, they come up with other, other things like, now, uh, you're going to feel some pressure here. In a moment, you're, just, you're going to feel some, some pressure. Like you're supposed to say, okay, bring it on, because I'm good under pressure. I remember doctors saying things like, now you're going to feel a little sting. It's going to be a little, a little pinch, a little sting. Like, hey, no problem. I, <laughs> I can take a sting with the best of them. Now, this, this week I, I had the, the joy to be scriptural. I had the joy of going to the dentist. Um, fractured tooth. Uh, the first of two appointments that it takes to, you know, get a permanent crown put on. Um, so this morning I've got the, you know, the temporary one on, on there. So I go in for that fractured tooth, and uh, yes, I, I get to go back in two weeks. Joy. And, you know, you go and you lay down, and it's the beginning of an hour and a half 
of having your mouth, you know, wide open while they talk to you. And, and then, you know, the drilling and grinding. Isn't that just, isn't that lovely? Can you hear the sound right now? And, you know, the thing in your mouth, it's, you know, there's the, I, I don't know. And then the doctor says, the doctor says to me, this happened this week. He says, if you get uncomfortable, <laughs> you know, there's another, doesn't want to say, if, if you start feeling extreme pain, he says, if you get uncomfortable, you just raised your left hand and I'll stop. And I'm sitting there going, which one's my left? Which? And, and, and I had my hands like locked like this and I thought, well, I better set that one uh, I'm going to put that one on top, just in case I need to. Uh. James says, you're going to have some trouble. And then he moves on, and it seems almost like he just switches subjects all of a sudden, like he just jumps and like, now wait a minute, we hadn't wrapped that up. Because the next thing out, out, of his, out of his mouth or from his pen is, he says this, if you need wisdom, just ask. You need wisdom? Just ask. Like, uh, wisdom? I thought we were talking about pain and struggle and trying to have some faith to get through this. And, and you're jumping to wisdom? I said, as, as, what's going on? Has he skipped ahead? It's like, who needs a big dose of, of knowledge about stuff when you're hurting? When you're just trying to get through a really tough stretch. I mean, you don't, you don't want a bunch of wisdom. Well, maybe that's because sometimes we're not sure what real wisdom is. If you stop and think about this, and it's hard to do when you're under pressure... When would you ever need more wisdom in your life than when you're in tough and difficult circumstances? And by wisdom, we mean this, God-given understanding to go the right direction, to do the best thing, the wise thing, so that our faith, so that my faith, my trust in God can grow. And so that something good will somehow, by the grace and wisdom of God, rise out of this mess that I'm in. So that I won't run away from God. Hear me. So that I won't run away from God towards something far worse than what I'm in right now. And James says, if you ask God, and he describes him as our generous God, if you ask him for, he wants to give you wisdom. He wants to do it. If you just ask, you'll have it. But I want you to notice this if you're staying with the passage there's something that I, a couple of major things that I don't think we often connect. And James is trying to do that for us here. 
Wisdom is connected to faith. I'm not sure we usually associate those two things. Wisdom is connected to faith. And he actually tells us that you need faith to ask for God's wisdom. And if you ask in faith, recognize this. Faith receives in relationship to heart loyalty. I'm going to read the verses for you. See if you draw the same conclusion. Uh, Verses 6 through 8. He says this, But when you ask Him, referring to God, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. And such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. God says, here's what you need to do. God speaks wisdom into our lives when we ask for it. And and God speaks things like, here's what you need to do. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Stop. Go. Wait. Run. Speak. Be quiet. Move or be still. And we hear those things in the way God speaks them to us. And often we say, "Ah, I'd like a second opinion. Or we say to God, well, that's not a very good idea. I got a better idea. And then we think, but, but Lord, I really, I really do want your help. I want your help. I, I think maybe, well, if it sounds, it sounds good to me. If, Lord, if you could just make everything okay while I keep doing what I want to do. James says that's double-mindedness or divided loyalty. And that does not lead to joy. Instead, it leads to disaster. I was reading some other historical stuff this week, and, and uh, I, found, I found this, this, this story pretty interesting. It, it, it's from um, an event that happened... Um, on the floor of the United States Senate, I uh, say about 150 years ago. And um, the issue that was being debated was whether or not alcohol should be sold in the territories that were seeking to become states. So that period of, the, uh, of history, we're talking about you know, stuff west of the Mississippi River and a lot of the states to our west. And so they're debating whether or not it was going to be legal to sell alcohol in those territories. So there was one uh, senator who was notoriously anti-alcohol, very, very righteous about that. And, and according to one description, he was so dry, he was known as a fire hazard. And on the floor of the Senate, he challenged one of the other senators to a debate on this issue and wanted that colleague to state his position 
on this issue. And supposedly, his colleague stood up and said this. Now, sir, you've asked me how I feel about whiskey. Well, here's how I stand on the question. If when you say whiskey, you mean that devil's brew, the poison spirit, the bloody monster that defiles innocence, dethrones reason, destroys the home, creates misery and poverty, yes, literally takes bread from the mouths of little children, if you mean the evil drink that topples the Christian man from the pinnacle of righteousness and gracious living and causes him to descend to the pit of degradation, despair, shame, and helplessness, then certainly I am against it with all my heart. But, we're talking about politicians, okay? But, when you say whiskey, if you mean the oil of conversation, the philosophic wine, the ale consumed when good fellows get together, that puts a song in their hearts and laughter on their lips, and the warm glow of contentment in their eyes. If you mean Christmas cheer, if you mean some, the stimulating drink that puts the spring in an old man's steps on a frosty morning, if you mean the drink whose sale, I'm told, puts millions of dollars into our treasury, which are used to provide tender care for our little crippled children, or the blind, or the deaf, or the dumb, or the pitifully aged, and are infirmed to build highways and hospitals and schools, then I am certainly in favor of it. And this is my stand, and I will not compromise. I don't know. Sounds like maybe he's running for president. Huh? There's an old African proverb that says, the man who tries to walk two roads will split his pants. <laughs> and as my Mima would have said, rip your britches. And a whole lot of us have ripped ours a time or two, haven't we? Because we wanted our way and God's way. Our way and God's way. Our way with God's blessing. Go down this road, God said, go this. May I can straddle, I can straddle, I can straddle. Now, this, this isn't a passage of Scripture about alcohol. I'm not going there with that. This, this isn't a passage of Scripture about any one thing, any, any one sin, or any one type of situation. I honestly and truly believe that this is a passage about your life and my life. Will you listen to some of it again with me? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own evil desires, which entice us and drag us away. And these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. 
So don't be misled. And if it helps you to remember this, when I was a teenager, I was reading this passage of Scripture, called on to read this passage of Scripture at a youth retreat. And I looked at this, and I was a pretty good student in school. I looked at this, and I said, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. My brother happened to be there, and he has not let it go to this day. Don't be misled. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. And He never changes. Or even, James says, casts a shifting shadow. That's a big contrast to the person that's getting tossed and turned and blown about on the winds and the waves and is stumbling all over the place because their heart's divided. He never changes or even casts a shifting shadow. And he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, this is what God thinks of you, became his prized possession. People, circumstances, life, tosses, turns, goes up and down, all around. <laughs> God does not. Strong, faithful, true, not even a shifting shadow. That's the God that James says, put your faith in him. Put your faith in him. Ask him to give you wisdom. And when you ask for wisdom, have the faith to believe that what he leads and guides you to do is the wise thing. It's the good thing. It's what will eventually, if not immediately, bring you out and bring you through. Don't believe the lies that you would have a better idea or know better than God. Don't run away from Him towards something that's going to end so much worse than the difficulty you're in right now. Have faith in Him. Martin Luther King Jr. said that faith is taking the first step even when we don't see the whole staircase. I don't even pretend to have the knowledge today to tell you how your circumstances are going to change today um, or tomorrow. I, I, don't, I don't know. But I do know who will be with you every step of the way
if you take your first step with him and towards him. Jesus, we, uh, we want to receive your word today. We want to um, embrace this, accept this. But um, eh, most of us probably, Lord, would be less than honest if we said this wasn't difficult to do. Lord, I find it really hard to uh, consider it an opportunity for joy when, when I go through a tough thing. But if I was also honest today, Lord, I'd, I, I could clearly and truly say that I've been through some things that showed me who you really are and how faithful and true you really are. And you've brought me through things that, that have shaped and molded my heart to be more like yours. You've brought me through things that have helped me identify with other people in their struggles. So forgive me, Lord, for not remembering that often enough. And forgive me for the, the times when I, uh, I'm going through something and I just kind of wring my hands and wonder where you are and why don't you get me out of this and why don't you make it all better right now and why don't you do it this way Lord I ask you today uh, to speak to each person here and, and help especially the persons that are here today Lord that are really right in the middle of the trial, help them, Lord, to ask for wisdom. Not just for a bailout, not just for everything to go away. Help them to pray for wisdom. The understanding and the strength, the truth that can come from you to help us to grow and grow strong in you so that when the next test comes we'll remember who we're looking to, who we're seeking we'll remember the one that helps us to stand and endure and Lord help us to remember today that you created us And you have decided that we are your most prized possession. And you love us more than we can imagine. Even when it doesn't uh, feel like it, your love is reaching to us and surrounding us. Perhaps even at this moment protecting us from something that we're unaware of. Lord, help us to believe that, trust in that, 
that you're the God who does not change. The shadow never, never shifts. And when we're with you, we don't have to feel like somebody lost at sea. We can feel like someone who's being taken through the storm. I pray that we'll embrace that and receive it by your mercy and grace and your never-ending love today. In Jesus' name, amen.